Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with Eddie McClintock, star of the cult classic show Warehouse 13. We discuss his growing up a jock in Ohio, his unique journey to California, how he became an actor, his awesome artwork, which you can find on his website, eddiemcclintock.com, and his upcoming appearance at Pensacon, which is in just a couple of weeks. But before we get started, I have to remind you that today's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience is brought to you by our good friends at Audible. Sign up for a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Sitting here with my very special guest this week, Mr. Eddie McClintock. Eddie, how are you, sir? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, man. No, absolutely. I've I've been, you know, ever since we set this up, I've been looking forward to uh, to talking with you because we were actually just talking before we started. Uh, you're going to be at Pensacon uh, coming up here pretty soon at the end of February, and you've actually never been to to Pensacola before. So we're definitely looking forward to having you. Yeah, never never have been. Uh, my sister, as I as I said, um, she lives down near Tampa. She uh, and uh, so I've been there, and I've been, you know, all over Florida, but never to Pensacola. Pensacola. So I, uh, and, or have I been to Pensacon? So I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it definitely should be a lot of fun. Um, but to to get the conversation started, I, I did want to start off by asking, um, where are you from originally? Like, where did you grow up? Uh, I was born and raised in Canton, Ohio home of the pro football hall of fame and uh the hoover vacuum cleaner so i got that going for me i had no idea the hoover vacuum was from there sure but i know the the pro football hall of fame is there that, that's something that i do want to visit you know at some point are you a football fan yeah yeah i i, I like i like most sports um i haven't been able to really like get into hockey that much um i like college right. basketball uh, but, you know, I just like wa- watching both, you know, college and pro football. It's it's what we do here in the South during the fall. It's, you know, Saturdays, college football, Sundays, NFL. So it, it, it's Same here, buddy. It's a it's Same. a big it's a big part of the community. I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been a it's been a tough, <laughs> tough road for, for my fandom. But I will say, you know, the I mean, the Jaguars were a bad team for forever and they're, you know, in the AFC championship. So I, anybody Great. can turn around. And I, I think the I think the Browns will eventually and it'll end up being whenever it does happen. It'll be one of the greatest sports stories that has ever happened in our lifetime. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. You know, I, I oftentimes use Jacksonville as a as a model, like, you know, look look what Jacksonville did. You know, they they turned it around. They were, you know, they were what they had, you know, two wins one season, three wins, you know, and then all of a sudden there they are. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's a mystery. Everybody's scratching their head and but we'll see. You know, at least we got the Cavaliers to give us a uh a championship so 
That's very true. And the and the Buckeyes. I'm a Buckeye fan too, so. And they're always in contention when it comes to to college football. It seems. Yep. But uh, growing up in Ohio, um, what were what were some of your interests growing up? I know you mentioned you're a sports fan. Were you into like were you into you know acting and just being in the film industry like at an early age? No, I I grew up uh, you know playing football. I started playing football when when I was a you know little kid. I think I my first year of tackle football I think was the fifth grade, and um, I also started wrestling in the fifth grade so i wrestled and played football every year and ended up wrestling in college and um i was a little too small to go on and play college football but uh i i never i never was pointed in that direction in regards to acting um it was always sports and but i i loved um you know when i was a kid i i watched um happy days i wanted to be the fawns and i loved saturday night live the not ready for primetime players with dan Aykroyd and bill murray and and uh you know that original cast i used to do um i used to put on little shows for my mom because i could i could do all the voices of the different characters and or at least i thought i could <laughs> i don't know but uh um you know i spent most of my time entertaining my my mother and you know the kids on my sports team so i drew the uh the program cover for little abner when i was in high school i was you know kind of really into art and drawing and i actually went to one of the shows i guess i went to the premiere of little abner since my my cover was uh being shown and um i don't know you know when you're a kid you acting i don't know in ohio i just was like i was playing sports so i i didn't really start thinking seriously about being an actor until i had graduated from college and moved to los angeles and i'd been living in los angeles for um you know about a two years three almost maybe three years before i started taking acting class when you moved out to Los Angeles, was that your was that your intention to become an actor? Um, no, I, I moved to Los Angeles to sell corporate insurance for my uncle. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yep. And uh, he he fired me after seven months. Um, I was not a good insurance salesman. Um, I just didn't have it in me to. I just you know he was like. He was like, all right, you know, this is what you do. You go out and you walk into different businesses and you ask if they have insurance and you give them your card. And I don't know, man, I, I just couldn't do it. I, I like selling some intangible thing and, you know, like, hey, you know, you could have a terrible accident someday. Um, you should have insurance. It's just, um, I don't know. We didn't see eye to eye the insurance business and I. So, um, luckily my uncle, uh, was, was intuitive enough to save his business and, and let me go. And I, I, um, I played Frisbee on the beach for a year and collected unemployment. And then I started, uh, working as a production assistant 
on um, television commercials. So I was, you know, sweeping up cigarette butts and picking up camera equipment and moving things from one place to another. And I, I did that for a couple of years and then I grew to, you know, I just got tired of that. And, and, uh, some friends of mine were going to take acting class and they were like, you know, you should come take acting class with us. And so I did and kind of for the first time in my life, since I had been a kid when I was wrestling and playing football, I, I kind of committed myself to something. And cause I knew that if I, I had a feeling that if I failed at this, uh, I was going to have to go back to Ohio and <laughs> nothing against Ohio, but I just, I didn't want to have to go back as the failed, you know, there were plenty of stories when I was in college, you know, people were like, yeah, they moved to LA to be an actor. And now they're working at the, you know, Seven Eleven, and talking about their headshots and stuff. So I, I didn't want to do that. It's kind of an interesting so, route that you took to uh, to get to where you are, you know, because I, I don't think I've ever t- interviewed someone who went to Los Angeles for a completely different intention other than to do, you know, film or acting or anything like that. But then you wound up doing it anyway. That's pretty cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, I've been very lucky. Um my manager, you know, calls me the white whale because of that exact reason. I mean, I didn't really start acting until I was 27. And um, when he met with me, you know, he basically said, look, I got a, a guy in my class recommended me to my manager and I met with him and he said, you know, I don't, I don't normally accept people that have zero experience in zero credits. I mean, I was, I had nothing. I was just this kid that was in acting class. And I, I mean, I was a man. I was 26 by then. And, um, and, uh, but he said, I'll take a chance on you. And, and the first audition he sent me on, um, was for a sitcom. It was going to be a spinoff of, uh, married with children it was going to be called enemies. It was going to be like the anti friends. It was going to be a bunch of people that lived together that didn't like each other. And they were kind of, you know, seedy. And, um, I ended up going back three or four times and I tested at the network and I, I didn't get the job, but you know, it was kind of a good sign for him, you know, my first audition. So yeah, that was kind of the sign for him that, there was potential there at least if nothing else, you know, I had potential and I, I, um, I really studied hard. I went to class almost every night and, and, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't act in every class that I went to, but we could audit, we could audit the other classes. So, um, I would just go and sit and watch the other actors and listen to the teacher and, and try and make up for all the years that I had uh, I had not participated. Before we continue this fun conversation with Eddie McClintock, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Currently, I'm listening to the awesome book Ready Player One, written by Ernest Cline and narrated by Will Wheaton of Star Trek The Next Generation fame. 
it's a really fun book. If you love 80s pop culture, you'll really get into it. I know I'm, it makes me really excited for the upcoming film that comes out next month. You can check that out. They have other books as well from fiction, nonfiction, mystery, romance, sci-fi. Anything you can think of, Audible has. And if you're always on the go like I am, Audible's a great service to have to continue to read books without having to sit down and read a physical copy. And to do that, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Right. But no, it's cool. You know, it, to me, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 27 or you're 37 or even older because, I, you know, I remember reading the story about Samuel L. Jackson, you know, with him not being in anything, you know, film-wise until he was in his mid-40s, so... You know, it, it, it proves that anybody can do it. And, you know, just looking through your, your IMDb, you've been on shows like, you know, Sex in the City, Spin City, Felicity, Friends, uh, King of Queens. So you, you've got, you know, a, a really impressive list of stuff that you've done. So I, I think that's awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I um, it's always funny because uh, people, you know, on my Twitter, they'll just be like, hey, I just watched you in King of Queens or I just watched you in Friends and... And, um, and, and people will go, you know, cause I, they had seen, they had probably seen the shows when, back when I was on them, but I hadn't, you know, they didn't know, like they didn't put the two and two together after seeing maybe warehouse 13 or shooter or, you know, one of the other 65 shows that I've done. No, that that's, that's really cool though. And, and kind of talking about, you know, Warehouse 13, it's, I, I was reading up on the show and it, it had a really cool concept to it. So, uh, how was your time, you know, working on that show? You know, I would say it was the best five years of my career thus far. Um, I was given a, a huge opportunity and, um, there was a lot of responsibility when you're the lead of a, a television show, you know, especially when you've got such an, an amazing cast around you um, and such great co-stars and and um, it was a I I took it as a really great honor and I I don't know I loved it my boss uh, Jack Kenny who actually was he was a uh, I think he was a co-EP on my very first show ever which was a sitcom on Fox in 1997 and um called holding the baby and i always liked him and we only did 13 episodes and then we got canceled and i didn't see him for a long time and then um a friend of mine called and said hey i'm i'm uh eping this show do you want to come do a guest spot and i said sure and he goes yeah jack jack kenny is going to be directing and i saw jack and you know jack and i of course hit it off again and it's funny jack was like so what are you doing and i go well i just i just um did this pilot for um the sci-fi channel and i'm waiting to find out if we're going to get picked up and the hollywood reporter came out and i went to work and i and it showed, you know, Warehouse 13 gets picked up, and I was obviously <laughs> very excited. And um, Jack said, you know, I know David Simpkins. He's an old friend of mine over there. You know, 
if they're looking for any writers. And um, so I went to David and I told David about Jack. And then a couple of days later, I went to work and Jack said, guess who your new boss is? And, and they had given Jack the executive producer job on the show. And um, it was crazy. You know, I mean, Jack and I, um, not only did we get along, but he just, he's such a great writer and he just really kind of knew how to write for me. I mean, when Warehouse 13 first came out, it wasn't, it was, you know, meant to be darker. Um, it was written as kind of, you know, more of an X-Files than, than, you know, Pete licking the, you know, Farnsworth. It was, um, it was, uh, much more serious. And then, you know, Jack kind of thought, do do you know who you hired? You might as well just, you know, use everything that Eddie does. And, uh, and so it just became, you know, I, I love the fact that he made Pete, um, a flawed character who was just like a big kid at heart, you know, and, and, and I think that was interesting um, for me. And I, I hope people, I, I think that people enjoyed what I did for the most part. Yeah. I think what it, what's interesting about, you know, you say flawed character, but to me, those are the most relatable, you know, there's so many characters in the history of film and TV that have, you know, certain flaws and you, you relate to it. Like you feel like I could be that person. So, you know, I, I, I think, well, yeah, I mean, I that, that's a, life, that's life, thing. right. I mean, everybody's, everybody's got their flaws and, and, um, and, uh, you know, it kind of like by, by making Pete a recovering alcoholic, which actually Pete's number of years sober and my number of years sober, <laughs> uh, are uh you know correlate so i have uh 17 years um clean and sober so that was kind of you know a, a, a true bell ringing for the show and i mean you know honestly my my personality isn't too far from pete i think uh, if you ask around to the people that know me and have, have met me that they'll tell you that so it wasn't really hard for me to go to work every day i just kind of had to go to work and and be with my friends and and have fun and kind of be myself so it was uh it was a dream job despite the fact that it was in toronto which is a great city but it's obviously it's on the other side of the continent and uh and uh, it was uh very very cold i can imagine um, kind of moving on from your acting into your artwork, I was looking at your website, and you've got some really, really good pieces of art. Uh, you know, just looking through all of them, I, the one that I really like, uh, I think it's called, yeah, it's called A Prayer. I really like this uh-huh. one because it's got, to me, the right balance of, like, your cool and your warm colors. Like, you know, one section you've got your blues and your whites. And then over to the right, you've got like your yellows, your oranges, and it, it just, it's very eye popping. And it, it was, it kind of drew me in. So I, I loved your looking at your Thanks, artwork. It was man. really good. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the site itself is pretty old and rickety. I mean, it's been up there for, you know, quite a few years. I, I should probably update it, but um, like I said, I've, 
you know, when I was a kid, I, I did a lot of art and, um, and I kept a lot of pieces. And then when warehouse 13 became successful, my wife was like, you know, you should put those pieces up. You should do something with your art. And I've been really, um, I've been really fortunate, you know, I've had some people buy pieces of, of my art that have become really good friends of mine. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've got a friend who is a federal court judge who has, um, gosh, which one is it? Um, it's kind of the, I can't remember the oh, lost, lost in the moment, I think it's called. And, um, it's kind of a silhouette of a ballerina and, and she has the original piece from warehouse 13 that we used in one of the episodes in her chambers at work. So it's, it's, you know, it's another thing about this, uh, warehouse 13, the, um, the demographic and the crowd, you know, I get a lot of really smart people who, um, who enjoy the show and, and it's, it's flattering. You know, like I said, I grew up, I was kind of a jock and I was, uh, you know, I wasn't a, a chemist or a rocket scientist. So to be able to have people who, whose intellect I personally admire, um, who admire my work, um, it's, it's really flattering. And, and I, I've, I've had an opportunity to, to meet and get to know some really great people. Well, as someone who struggles to draw stick figures, I can say that I'm I'm very envious of your talent. That that's it's amazing. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, Thank you. A couple more questions. Um, do you have any? Uh, well, obviously we have your website, but do you have uh, any social media that you'd like to plug as well? You know, I'm on Twitter at Eddie McClintock. I'm on Instagram at Eddie McClintock. Um, and I'm on Facebook at Eddie McClintock. It's pretty tough. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I think I'm going to uh, try and bring down a new batch of t-shirts for, um, for the Pensacon. Um, I've always, during the show every year, I would, I would debut a, a new t-shirt at Dragon Con. And then for that year, I would, uh, bring shirts with me to different conventions and I haven't done a, a new version um, in a while so I think I'm going to do a new version of a previous um, one of the favorite versions that I did which was um, Warehouse 13 Athletic Department and it had the football so it looked like a one of the college shirts that you get, the Athletic Department shirts but it has the the football with kind of these antenna on it, you know, that we, that we used to use as the satellite to give us the pings on warehouse 13. Awesome. Well, at Pensacon, I'll definitely have to stop by and get a shirt. But now I, like I said, you know, we have Pensacon coming up. Uh, it's February. Let me pull up the dates here. February 23rd through the 25th at the Pensacola Bay center. So uh, definitely stop by, see Eddie, see all the cool guests that we'll have. And, uh, Eddie, I'd like to say in closing, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do the interview. It was great. Hey, Derek, man, I appreciate it. You know, anytime, um, somebody takes the time and 
uses their own talents to want to sit and talk to me for a while is an honor. So back at you. Thanks again to Eddie McClintock. It was really fun getting to talk with him. Can't wait to meet him at Pensacon in just a couple of weeks. As I said, Pensacon is February 23rd through the 25th at the Pensacola Bay Center. You can still get your tickets now at Pensacon.com. But next week on the show, we're going to be continuing our Pensacon coverage by talking with the people who actually make Pensacon happen. Mike Inslee, Cat Bishop, Steve Wise, Georgia Beelitz, just a few of the people who work really hard year-round to make Pensacon a reality. They'll be stopping by the show next week to talk about how Pensacon was created and some behind-the-scenes stories as well. So definitely come back next week and check out that fun episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes on iTunes, Spotify, all podcasting services. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ddiamondpodcast and the website ddiamondpodcast.com. But that's going to do it for this week, so have a safe and fun weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. Thanks again to Eddie McClintock. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back next week with the Pensacon staff. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.